Hey guys, you know what day it is. It's Thursday and we're back with the crazy and weird with Noadia. Alright, so continuing the series that I said we were going to have this, you know, particular month for Black History Month. Um, we're going to be talking about the 14th Amendment and its effects on Black people and just Americans in general. And we're going to talk about that history and how we got to, you know, where we were going. You know... <laughs> I'm just going to get right into it. It's a pretty interesting episode. I learned a lot researching, and I hope you guys enjoy it. I'm sorry it's a little bit of a history lesson, but I am a history buff, so let's get to it. All right, guys, so if you are not familiar with the 14th Amendment, I'm just going to give you a quick rundown and let you guys know what it's all about. So... The 14th Amendment, Section 1, states, All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. So, why am I talking about the 14th Amendment, you guys may ask. You know, what does this have to do with me? What do you mean, if we don't know the 14th Amendment, let me catch you up to speed. I'm going to go through a brief, <laughs> but exciting and weird and devastating history that I learned about the 14th Amendment and its effects on Black people. So basically... As it says in the 14th Amendment, it says that all persons born or naturalized in the United States are citizens, basically, and that the state has no right to say that or make a law that any citizen is not a citizen. So basically, this came about, um, this amendment became really like important in slavery times because as you remember they had the three-fifths compromise and other persons were not seen as whole people you know the government the southern government thought that they needed representation but themselves could not be counted as a whole person so this all dates back to slavery and we're going to talk about one really important person because if it had not been for him and many others after him you know, where, where would we be? So we're going to talk about Frederick Douglass. And I love Frederick Douglass because I was growing up, you know, what, like he escaped slavery at like the age of 20. And he was educating himself and going around and talking to the white people, scaring them, letting them know the harsh realities of slavery. He was he kept his foot on white people's neck for decades. He was not taking his foot off their necks at all. And that's what I loved about him. One of my favorite quotes um, by Frederick Douglass is if there's no progress, there's no struggle. Or am I getting that right? Or if there's no struggle, there's no progress. Ah, I'm sorry. If there's no, I said that so confidently. If there's no struggle, there's no progress. And I have come to realize that every single movement in history has come with, you know, if we wanted progress, it had to be a struggle, a very long struggle before we can get that progress. So I've come to realize that and I've made that connection. So basically, let's give you the lowdown. 
Douglas realized that, you know, he read the 14th Amendment and he realized, okay, well, it says here that we're considered citizens, you know, we the black people and the African Americans, but we're not actually treated like citizens, not the slaves, not the freed people, no one of a different color than the white race was treated like a citizen and so he set out on this mission to get it known he wanted us to be included in that rule not be the exception you know so he went around doing his thing and he wanted to basically you know because it's there how is it okay that we were born in the united states but we don't have any rights like everyone else. The white kids have the, the, the you know, the rights. And we're kind of just standing here like, you know, not really. And it became apparent that black people didn't have rights, even though they were born and technically citizens in the United States. When Dred Scott went to case, um, he went to court to sue. And the ultimate ruling by the Supreme Court was that he had no right to go to court and sue and that it was basically the audacity of him and he wasn't seen as a citizen you know and they were saying he shouldn't have gone to court to sue because what happened was him and his master um went from i don't remember what state they were from but they went to wisconsin which was a free state and then later his master dies and you know this is when he brings the court the case to court and he's basically like okay well since i lived in a free state for a time that automatically makes me a free citizen now if the court had ruled in that favor that means every single slave that has entered any region of the free states would be considered a free person legally in the eyes of the law and you know the the white people couldn't let that happen so they ruled against him and you know basically just told him you have no right you're not a citizen i don't know who you think you are but you're not a citizen and so you know that was one of the big decisions of the supreme court that just made black people keep realizing time and time again that we have no rights we're just objects superior pets i heard to white people only they're born and die slaves so douglas began getting you know more attention he started rallying and he has that famous fourth of july speech you know because he was like i think it's really funny that you guys invited me here and i'm a slave like this is your independence day but i am not yet free like, of course, he was in a freed state, but technically, like, if somebody wanted to, like, if his master had put out a bounty on his head, somebody could, like, legally drag his ass back to the plantation. So he always left, you know, he lived in fear of that. Like, he couldn't trust anybody, even in the North. So at that speech, he was basically like, you guys are, like, mocking me, like, by asking me to come here. Like, I'm not free. I... You know, I recognize that you guys did what you had to do. I respect that. But I can't celebrate this holiday knowing what I know, you know. So I thought that was very powerful because he, he did not. That was the beginning of him not like he was on the white people. OK, he was not letting up. And I love that. So 
basically um around this time now lincoln is running for president and he's running on the platform of like um the dred scott decision and the fact that every like citizen born in the united states should have rights and yada 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 and of fucking course he wins the election and boom (laughs) nothing happens for black people and they were like okay what (laughs) like you got voted into office you're not gonna help us and lincoln's like i have other things to worry about and we'll see this repeated throughout history and i'm gonna i'm gonna you guys are gonna love when i tell you which presidents did this crap (laughs) because it there's quite a few of them now mind you guys the first 16 presidents were probably all slave owners you know um so the idea of abolishing slavery or even giving rights to black people was not particularly on the table for them you know because we were property we were valuable we were only seen as our bodies not as fully complicated souls that also function as humans so I learned about this story and it kind of pissed me off. So basically, Lincoln had the audacity to call on African-American leaders to the White House and told them that they can never be in the same equality as white men. He called those motherfuckers to the White House and told them that they will never be equal as the white men. Mr. Lincoln, Mr. Freedom Abraham Honest Abe Lincoln on the fucking penny Lincoln. Yes, that one. He said that they should be colonized in Central America. Y'all, Central America? Not even their homeland in Africa? Central America, somewhere like Costa Rica? Are you kidding me? And so they felt really insulted by this, especially Douglas, because he's like, what the hell, man? Like, you need to help us out of this. And at this time, Lincoln is entering the Civil War, and his only duty... And his only priority was to keep the union together. He did not give a fuck about black people. Let's make that entirely clear. I don't care what your textbooks say. I don't care what professor you have that taught history that told you that Lincoln cared about them slaves because he didn't. Lincoln himself was a slave owner. Okay, He didn't care about them slaves. But when it came time around the Civil Union and Lincoln was looking like he was about to be the first president of the United States to lose half of the fucking United States, he was like, he needed to do whatever the hell he needed to do to keep the Union together, even at the expense of black people. So here we come. Lincoln realized that he needed black people to win the Civil War. And then, boom, you know what he signed? The Emancipation Proclamation. And I learned that it was only supposed to be a military order because he needed black people to win that war. Had it not been for black people, maybe the South would have won and we would have been divided now. Who fucking knows? But he needed us. He needed us to win that war. So he signed the Emancipation Proclamation. It was supposed to be a military order. And it added 20 no sorry 200k black men to the army and the navy and frederick Douglass thought this was noble and so did so many other people you know they're thinking okay maybe if we die for this country maybe white people will start recognizing that we have this every right to be citizens as well and we we can be on the same playing level uh-huh. <laughs> yo the way the way that their beautiful minds really thought that was gonna happen I mean, 
beautiful sentiment really but what ended up happening was the complete opposite of what actually happened and i think it's i like researching this shit i'm like amazed this is so funny y'all so fucking funny um there's a quote that i want to read to you guys um by Frances Harper and she said we are all bound together in one great bundle of humanity and society cannot trample on its weakest and fables of its members without receiving the curse in its own soul child when I tell you they they got what they were coming for in every single way right so hmm the black people have fought the war with the white people even in separate uh infantries and all of that you know colors only and this and they still fought and they fought nobly for this country with the foolish notion in their mind that they were gonna get you know the 14th amendment finally applied to them hmm. no in comes andrew johnson because lincoln died by assassination because eventually he started warming up to the black people and then after the gettysburg addressed which was an echo of what frederick Douglass had been saying for years and years and years that black people deserve to be on the same playing field as white people and they have every freaking right under the 14th amendment to be considered as such citizens John's Wilkins Booth was in the crowd. He stated to his friend, this would be the last speech he ever gave. And he kept his promise on that. Lincoln died. Andrew Johnson came into the picture. Andrew Johnson was a racist, narcissistic, egoistic man. He liked to hold huge rallies. Out his mouth came, this is a government for white men and white men only. And y'all remember when I just said he liked to hold huge rallies and talk about himself a lot? He don't remind y'all of somebody that recently was in office. It's like he was the predecessor for Trump. Like, let's just, we all know that. I heard that and I read that and I was like, I'm not hearing and reading this right. I'm not. Andrew Johnson did what? Hmm. He liked to hold huge rallies and talk about himself and said to these black people that the government will always and have been for white men and white men only wow i just (laughs) y'all really think these presidents had our backs back then no the fuck they did not no the fuck they did not and so throughout we're going to go further down on the history timeline. Now became this thing called black codes. So basically what black codes were, um, you know, the Southerners didn't want us to stop working. So they basically forced us into this new different kind of servitude, which is basically like, oh, you have to do labor, but you'll get paid, you know, to do the labor. And I believe they taxed like $100 off for their wages. So it's like they were getting paid pennies. And they had to do this and this and that. And I'm like, okay, this is basically like slavery. And one thing you will notice throughout history, they have reinvented slavery over, 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 and over again. And this is the first, probably the first form after slavery was emancipated by Lincoln that they tried to introduce and force black people to do. This is the first form of the new world slavery 
they tried to force black people into labor and so you're asking yourself so what happened if they just said no we don't want to be laborers they were thrown in jail and then forced to do labor without pay so it was it was either work and make pennies or go to jail and don't get paid at all these were black codes mark that down write it down learn more about it it's amazing what you would because i didn't know that i didn't learn that in history class no they did not teach us that okay um so now here comes this white congressman who you know is trying to do what douglas you know was always saying his name is john bingham and he was basically saying we should have equal citizenship in writing so that the government or white people or anyone else could never go back on their word because you know people do that because it's in writing you can't go back and be like nah i never said that um yes you did it's written right here amendment 14 section 2 actually you know like that's what he wanted so him and a bunch of other congressmen you rallied for this cause they wanted equal citizenship in writing not only just a thought idea a theory they wanted it to be in writing so um in 1868 i believe it was the 14th amendment is added there you go equal citizenship in writing okay and i'm i'm gonna read it for y'all one more time just in case y'all forgot what the 14th amendment says it says all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which abridges the privileges or immunities of the citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without the due process of law nor deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws you hear that again i read it again for y'all so y'all would get it memorized in your mind 1868 equal citizenship in writing they did that shit okay but you know here became the string we're gonna get into it so black people left slavery and they only wanted peace and harmony you know they didn't want revenge they were living their best lives you know in the after the reconstruction and after emancipation proclamation because they had just fought in the war they did what they had to do they just got citizenship in 1868 now they're on the same playing level you know right Mm. i'll show you guys in a minute how they were never on the same playing level even with the law in writing equal citizenship hbcus and churches like ame and the black baptist church were born in this era they wanted the institutional support because you know black people they didn't have that because they had been slaves for you know so freaking long in that country they didn't have anything to back them up white people had the universities they had the churches they had the banks black people just wanted to create something for themselves because you know they didn't have it anywhere else this this is where hbcus come from and the churches that are so big in the black community um hiram rails becomes the first black senator you know people were help they were like hopeful they i'm i did i never knew this in the fucking 1870s and the 1880s there were so many black people in office y'all 
people were congressmen, Hiram being a senator. Our people were doing the damn thing. They were holding office. They were running businesses, opening banks, opening colleges and churches. We were doing the damn thing once we finally had the freedom to do so. But of course, as I was born in the South, as many others, back then the South wasn't ready to deal with the harsh new reality that someone other than themselves had citizenship. They, in the South, mm, they treated the Black people as if they were second-class citizens. They were still living like they were living in slavery time, but they're supposed to be free, right? So they should have the freedom to do whatever they want with protection under the law? No, baby. That's the opposite happened for them. Everything that they hoped and dreamed for went out the window in the South. So the whites wanted to find support in the courts, and, you know, they got it. They, they got it, not the black people. You'd think that after everything that they've done at this point, served this country that they had no business serving for 400 years in slavery and then went to go fight a war for these people because they were arguing over the idea of them being slaves so such that the southern states were going to succeed because if they didn't have slavery they were just absolutely gonna die (laughs) and now they're being treated as second class citizens and the courts are backing the white slave owners former slave owners (laughs) it's almost humorous it really is So there were so many court cases that came out around this time, but they used um, one example of the cases that they used was a slaughterhouse case to continue to keep black people down. You know, it basically stated that the federal government had no right interfering with the state government. But hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Doesn't the 14th Amendment says no state shall make or enforce any law which shall embrace the privileges and immunities of citizens of the United States? It does say that. But the courts ruled in favor of the the southern states and they gave them their little pass and they were like, you're right. We have no good reason to tell you guys what you can and cannot do within your own state. That ruling in the slaughterhouse cases is literally against the constitution literally just gutted everything that like what you just agreed that we were citizens now you're letting the states run amok knowing that they're fucking crazy and that they want slavery to stay in the state so bad like are you dumb i just don't get that so yeah it was basically state rules versus federal rules and you begin to see this you know change in balance Another court case that was just devastating for black people was the case of United States versus Crankshaw. And the Supreme Court states that if private citizens commit crimes against you, we can't help. And here became the homegrown terrorism committed against black people. This basically just let the Southerners, the white Southerners know that they could do whatever the fuck they wanted to black people and they would not get in trouble for it. And that's exactly what they did, and they did it well. And they ran amok for decades. 
still doing it. Hundreds of years later, they're still doing it. Um, and basically, there was more court cases. The civil rights cases removed basically all of their rights from the Civil Rights Act. And then discrimination began to boom because of the private property. So now they're saying it's okay if we don't let black people into our hotels, our restaurants, our movie theaters and all of that because it's private property. I could do whatever the hell I want. I could deny you and not get in trouble for it. The courts began to, you know, grow tired of helping black people and, you know, they started asking them, like, what more do you want? 20 years after, you know, this whole debacle, they're, they're saying this. They're literally washing their hands of black people. And they're like, okay, like, I'm tired of this. Like, you guys, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, basically. That's what it was. Like, there was no concern. Like, these are people that just came from slavery. Of course they need your help. They're going to need your help to get rid of all this sentiment that stayed in the south but did the courts care no they did not and so some gruesome so many gruesome so many gruesome crimes against black people began and now we're gonna you know we're getting into the long history of segregation you know the court case plessy versus ferguson separate but equal what the hell does that even mean separate but equal we can have separate institutions but still be equal Trust me, if y'all have ever seen the buildings from segregation time, the buildings that they gave the white people and what they gave the black people were anything but equal. Like the schools were significantly better for white kids than they were for black kids. So please, somebody explain to me what they thought they were doing by separate but equal because it wasn't separate but equal. But that's the idea that they held for a very, very long time you know, not to intermingle with the blacks. Um, they said that um, one of the quotes that I was listening to in the documentary I was watching was um, black Americans have been separated so much that we still have to have a separate black history month just so Americans can know our contributions. And I thought that was funny because it's true, because I don't think a lot of people realize that black history is American history. It's a history that we all need to know. It's not something that only happened to black people. It happened to all of us. Very important. <laughs> but we continue. The violence, overwhelming. The KKK, the lynchings, the discrimination, the hatred for someone who had a different skin color than you. This was terrorism. That's we're going to call it what it was. It was terrorism, but it was normal under the law, especially in the South. We had the Colfax massacre uh, that killed 200 people in cold blood simply because they were defending the Gluber national government, you know, minding their business. And here comes this mob of white people killed 200 people in cold blood for no other reason other than hatred and to incite fear you know every time black people would make an advance the southerners would reverse all the gains made by them okay so you became a congressman gone Oop, shot your whole cabinet gone and so by 1901 not a 
single black person was in office in the South. Mind you, we came from, you know, the 1870s and the 1800s from having, you know, a couple, uh, you know, more than usual uh, amount of black people in government. And then 1901 came because of all the the killings that they were doing. Every single black person that probably would have wanted to run for office, not a single damn person was in that office that represented black people not a single person not a one and that was by 1901 interesting you know it was this ideology of black people weren't just inferior they were born criminals we're going to talk about another figure her name is ida b wells I don't know if you guys know about her, but we're going to talk about her. We're going to talk about some very obscure people this month because we need to uplift a lot of these people that I'm hearing about. Because, you know, black history has also been rewritten a little and we need to clear that up. She was basically encouraging black people to fight back. She documented the lynchings. She, you know, made sure that they knew that this was happening. She was like, you guys, we need to take back our power. And one thing about these lynchings, they were scary. They were huge spectator events. Kids were pulled out of school for these events. This wasn't only KKK members now. These were doctors, teachers, nurses, businessmen, regular everyday white people were going to these. Not just your everyday KKK supremacist, you heard? Regular everyday white people were going by the thousands. People were watching this man get hanged and die by the thousands. So, you know, black people are fearful for their lives. And this began, you know, another diaspora. This is why you have so many black people in Chicago, in New York, in, um, where is it? Crenshaw. I know Crenshaw isn't like the correct place. You know what I mean? In California. So, you know, they're moving from the, the, the South to the West and other states. <laughs> and what they found was so much worse. The resistance? No longer a Southerner problem. It was an American problem. Honey, Ida moved to Chicago and there was a week where they killed 50 Chicago people that were black because they were black. And this is Chicago, honey. This is the North. We shouldn't have any of that, right? That's a Southerner's problem. No, baby. That resistance was riding hard, and it was riding hard throughout the nation, not only in the South. So now, black people were safe nowhere. Not a damn place. And the place that literally gave them citizenship was safe for them to live. People were dying by the hundreds, the thousands. Massacres were happening every day as if it was like football. I learned that, you know, Ida B. Wells literally just earned the Pulitzer Prize in 2020. Honey, 2021. She lived 80, like, eight some 89 years ago. You're telling me she just got the Pulitzer Award? Decades after her death. She traveled internationally to inform people in Europe and other places about the horrors in America. And that's what got her to where she was. She's an amazing woman. They need to make a movie about her. Okay. They'll be making movies about the people they need to make movies about. They'll be making it about everyone else. But I feel like she would be an interesting bio pick. Um, 
the lost cause <laughs> ah so basically the lost cause was this ideology that the southerners adopted and this is where you start to see that heritage of the cult, the confederate flag oh this is my heritage this is my pride so the southerners started this whole crazy fantasy of the lost cause they really thought they did something in the civil war <laughs> in reality it's just them pushing back in the reconstruction and then every fucking decade afterwards here comes the statues of confederate leaders and uplifting everything oh you know they fought nobly and valiantly i'm sick literally sick living in the south this makes me sick so basically this is when film becomes more prevalent and you know so a birth of a nation 1915 was a film about the value of the south you know they're making it seem like the south did what they had to do in the civil war like they were this awesome group of people (laughs) that did what they needed to do they fucking rewrote history after this film wood road Wilson gave a stamp of approval to this fucking movie. They filmed that shit in front of the White House. One of the clips. He gave his approval. He said, yeah, I think this film is great. He was happy that black people were out of office. Fucking happy. And then began the streams. More streams of massacres. We have the Black Wall Street Massacre of 1921. That happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I believe. Where Trump decided he was going to have a fucking rally. And I'm so glad that the TikTokers, you know, purchased the tickets and not a damn soul showed up. Because that's so fucking disrespectful knowing the history. And I know he probably knows what happened. His white supremacist ass. They killed, burned down this whole block because it was better than white wall street honey these white people were flourishing they were doing everything they needed to do black people were doing so well and they just took every single victory away from them and now media starts becoming more powerful and turning the american people the regular american public against black people i mean racist rhetoric and images the cartoons the caricature that they portray the black people the fucking cartoons the movies and the tv shows back then fucking offensive as fuck okay they were they're embarrassing as a nation reborn as they would say not me quoting one of the divergent movies they really put that shit in the media this lost cause idealism helped contribute to that our history books in the south they were telling a different story they were saying that you know we won the civil war we never had slavery we never did this and this and that (laughs) that's why you you gotta be real careful what you're taking from these states you need to go out and do your own research about what it was that was happening honey go ahead and do it you'll find out i mean the south has got to be the worst possible person for black people and always has been even living in the South now, I'm still a little bit scared because, honey, I live in Florida. Like I said in one of my other uh, podcasts, it's Trump Nation over here. Yeehaw. From, you know what I'm saying? Going back to the Confederate flag and this whole, it's my pride, it's my heritage. Honey, your heritage is slavery, oppression, and KKK terrorism. 
The next fucking Confederate flag I see, I'm burning that shit. My, I, I don't think I've seen a Confederate flag in a while, though. I think the last time I saw one was high school, maybe my sophomore year. Some senior or junior had the fucking gall and audacity to put in the back of his truck, knowing that the school was predominantly black at this time. Very few white people. Were, it was probably like half and half. It was probably like 55% black, 20% white and maybe whatever the other percentage hispanic and then we have asians like it was mostly black people in that bitch and they're waving this flag around like they're fucking proud honey you proud you lost the war you proud because your ancestors were slave owners because don't even start oh my family didn't even own slaves how the fuck do you know they kept records were they there in the resistance were they helping black people like what what's the tea do you even know your family history to be saying such stuff like that probably not and the funny thing is i keep saying this all we wanted was equality and not revenge white people better be grateful that even to this day black people don't want revenge although muhammad ali you know not muhammad ali i'm sorry malcolm x was saying a whole different burn that shit malcolm x was not he was violent that was a violent motherfucker he don't give a fuck you know he wanted revenge but for the most part people black people just wanted equality to be seen as equal (laughs) like it's just amazing to me like we've been begging you know, I'm all, I'm really I'm getting really sick and tired of explaining why my people deserve rights, why I deserve to be seen as a first class citizen, not a second class citizen. You know, we're always told, you know, to wait and everything like that. And I'm going to say a quote by another lady that was in the documentary, but we're going to go back to that. You know, we were only fighting for what we were owed under the 14th Amendment. It's been 100 years at this point with no progress. And they're still telling us, you know, this is the problem with white moderates. It would be racist to say no, but they have to tell you, wait, you see that now. Wait, you're moving too fast. This is going too much. Wait. One person that also, you know, you probably do know him. I have to talk about him because he is very important in black history and how we are today. His name is Thurgood Marshall. I'm sorry, Thurgood Marshall. He was a Supreme Court justice. And he set out to stop segregation in K-12 through education, not only in graduate schools and universities, but what his main goal was and his, the rest of his legal team was, you know, to stop segregation in K-12. through they realized that and he did like a little doll experiment and he asked white and black children to choose between a white and a black doll and say uh which one you thought was bad most white children and black children pointed to the black doll and they said the black doll is bad that's how deep the segregation and the hatred of black people went even to the fucking kids because nowadays you know if you just hand a fucking doll to kids they'll be like yeah i want the black doll or i want the white doll like it has nothing to do with the fact that they were segregated but in back the days most of those kids thought it even the black kids themselves thought that they weren't good enough that they were the bad ones so they saw that segregation was harmful as fuck to our growth as a people not only the black people but uh, white people too so 
you know, here comes the famous court case, Brown versus Board, where they basically said that the schools are no place for racial uh, discrimination, that everyone has the right to go to equal institutes. And the South was like, never before. And they were like, never. And, you know, there was Prince Edward Country uh, County, I think in Virginia, that shut down their public schools for five years because they didn't want black people to go to schools with their white kids. The links that white people went to to keep us out. And now you guys see why I'm so fucking mad that now white people want to take our culture. Bitch, you've been trying to keep us out for hundreds of years. Now you want to be a part of us? Fuck you. Like, what? Uh, there's one thing between wanting to appreciate the culture, but there's another thing to appropriate it. And once again, I'm not going to get into it because you already know. But, um, yeah, that was yeah that was powerful that was a powerful if not one of the most important um court cases in the history of american history so um what i actually learned um we're skipping to the 1960s now of the time of mlk that um at bayard reston was actually the one who introduced nonviolent protests to um martin luther king jr it was not his idea um why have we, we ever heard of him because i've never heard of him as um many there's lots of people that were in the civil rights movement that we haven't heard of simply because you know, maybe they were not this, the type that they needed to run the movement, but MLK was ultimately the, the one who was decidedly going to be the face of the movement. But the reason why we haven't heard uh, of Mr. Bayard Rustin is because he was openly gay and pushed it aside. You know, they were kind of like, mm, maybe we shouldn't have like an openly gay black man leading the movement. Even though he had been working on this movement his entire life, and it's what he dedicated his life to, they gave it to Martin Luther King Jr. because he was a picture that most black people can imagine and resonate themselves with, and they thought that, you know, he would be the one to get the people to rise up. Just a quick civil rights movement lesson for you guys that's very interesting um also want to let you guys know that rosa parks was indeed not the first person to you know not get up you know refuse to get up it was actually i forget her name and it starts to see i think it's shanice or something like that please correct me if you do know the correct person but she was 15 pregnant and a dark-skinned girl and she was actually the first to refuse to get up on the bus and you know but they went with Rosa Parks because she was a lighter skinned woman and once again resonated with the whole entire movement it's just a whole bunch of people that got pushed aside we're gonna go into the civil rights movement just not this episode that's why I'm briefly talking about it this episode is about the 14th amendment so yeah I just wanted to let you guys know that fun fact um and then basically we finally get to the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and it was basically the demands that the 14th Amendment be respected. Because at this point, black people were not getting the respect they deserved. They were getting everything but that. And it was just getting frustrating at this point. Finally, the Civil Rights Act gave them what they needed. Of course, the Southerners did not want to reconcile with that. And that's always the problem with, you know, fucking white people in the South. But alas, it is something that black people have to bear. It is the burden that we have to bear. So I'm going to read two quotes and we're going to end. 
so I have to end soon. But basically, um, this activist in the Amen, the Fight for America, that's the documentary that I watch and I'm getting all my information from. Um, if you guys want to watch it, it's on Netflix. It's super good. It has, I'm still watching it, but um, it has Will Smith and a bunch of like other celebrities acting out and, you know, narrating. It's really good. But um, her name is Brittany Packnett Cunningham. And she said, whenever marginalized people have the audacity to fight simply for what's fair, we are told to wait to to wait to slow down i find myself asking people how do you want us to stand up for our rights you don't want us to protest in our own streets to interrupt football games to block street traffic you don't want us to stand up for our rights you don't want us to kneel for our rights either there is literally no acceptable protest if all you're determined to is to do is to tell me to wait and i agree with that immensely and this has been happening since the beginning. White people have, white moderates, more specifically, have been telling these people, you have to wait. You're doing too much too soon. Wait for what? As she also says in the documentary, wait almost means never. It's never going to happen. You're never going to get freedom. All the presidents throughout history. JFK is one of the presidents I actually want to talk about real quick. He literally ran on the platform of trying to you know whatever trying to get rid of communism and he also you know tried to make it seem like black people would be helped too black people help his ass get in office and what did he do same thing as abraham lincoln fucking forgot about them it wasn't until the fucking bloody sunday and fucking bill what's his name bull connors unleashing dogs and water hoses on teenagers kids in the protests in Birmingham that the world started cussing out JFK for him to finally take action and do something about it. Hence the Civil Rights Act of 1964. I just thought that was really funny. Y'all think JFK is this great guy and I'm sure he probably has some other good aspects in terms of American history, but in terms of black history, that man is dead to me. He didn't really help us. He just kind of just stood on the sidelines worrying about the fucking Soviet Union, which was so ironic because how can you, a free nation, be telling another nation that they need to do this and this and that when people in your country are suffering and asking for basic freedoms? It's really funny, really ironic. I'm glad, you know, other people started to call JFK and basically told him this is outrageous and they cussed his ass out and he finally took action because I, if it wasn't for that, I'm unfortunately Bloody Sunday and not Bloody Sunday. Was it Bloody Sunday? Y'all let me know what the, what the actual name for the event is, but I do remember it was Birmingham. The teenagers were protesting or whatever in the streets and Bull Connors just fucking asshole unleash dogs and water hoses on them i'm pretty sure it's bloody sunday if it's not i'm mixing it up with another historical event but i'm sorry but yeah if it wasn't for that i don't think we would have as much progress as we have today um so i used to watch this show on uh, netflix called dear white people it's similar to the kind of podcast style i'm doing right now um it's a really good show Um, I love these kind of shows, but um, basically I'm just going to read this quote from one of the characters and we're going to end. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these, 
life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unless you're loud and black and possess an opinion, then all you get is a bullet. A bullet that held me at bay. A bullet that can puncture my skin. Take all my dreams away. A bullet that can silence the words I speak to my mother just because I'm another. A bullet. Held me captive. Gun in my face, your hate misplaced. White skin, light skin, but for me, not the right skin. Judging me with no crime committed. Reckless sugar figure, itching to prove your worth by disproving mine. My life in your hands. My life on the line. Fred Hampton, Timia Rice, Rikita Boyd, Reggie Green. Spared by a piece of paper, a student ID that you had to see before you could identify me and set me supposedly free. Life liberty and the pursuit of happiness for some of us maybe there's nothing self-evident about it and that is the quote that i want to leave you with you guys it has always struck me i you know found out about this quote sophomore year i want you guys to just i'm going to leave you with you i'm going to leave you guys with that i hope you learned some new things today do your research happy black history month and see you guys next time